We'll hear argument now in number 9962, the Santa Fe Independent School District versus Jane Doe et al. Uh, Mr. Seculo. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, Santa Fe Independent School District has adopted a neutral policy which simply permits student-led, student-initiated speech at football games, a policy which can be found in its entirety of pages 104 and 105 of the Joint Appendix, allows for the individual student to determine the content of the message. That message may include a prayer at the student's discretion. The policy does not violate the Establishment Clause, and the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit is wrong and should be reversed. The Santa Fe policy creates a venue for student expression. It is neutral as to religious or secular speech. The policy serves the important and legitimate goals of solemnizing the event, promoting good sportsmanship and student safety, and establishing the appropriate environment for competition. In fact, uh, restraints, are they not? I, I think it's similar to the a topical restriction that you would see in a limited public forum case, a Rosenberger, for instance, and the situation there where it had to be related to educational mission. Clearly — It's a little more precise and constrained than that, is it not? For example, could the message be, break their necks, make them wrecks, buckle down, boys? I would think the school district — I think the school district would, would have the authority — and that's more of a Bethel versus Fraser question than an Establishment Clause issue. I think under normal school district authority, they can control the nature of what's going to be said in that regard. The policy also specifically states that it can be utilized to establish the appropriate environment for competition. Clearly, Justice Ginsburg, that would not. But that would be a neutral criteria applied. It would not be — Rather than an Establishment Clause problem, what if somebody uh, chose to speak on the subject that all religion is bunk? Uh, I mean, does does that comport with the — I'm not sure what solemnizing a football game is, but assuming there is such a process, would that comport with it? Well, I think that in a situation like that, it would be perfectly appropriate if the student felt that was going to create the appropriate environment for competition to engage in that kind of speech. This is a broad policy. It's, it's not this a limited policy here, for instance. And when then, then what does — just tell me, maybe this is not important, but what is it — what would it be to solemnize a football game? I thought at least it would require religion uh, or require religious messages to sound religious, and you say no, it no, I, doesn't. I, I, what, 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 what is solemnization here? Solemnization is bringing about respect, honor, and dignity, and a secular invocation even could take place. It doesn't have to be religious, but a, a secular solemnization. What is a secular invocation? Uh, I'm glad everyone's here. I ask everybody's participation for student safety. Let's encourage good sportsmanship. That's an invocation. Well, that's, 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 a, that's a nice speech, but it's not what we normally mean by invocation. But and, even and one of the problems, it seems to me, with, with your case and one of the problems with the premise of your argument is that it assumes that this language, which we see on the face of the policy now, is descriptive of what, in fact, is going on. And I will be candid to say that it seems to me that it is asking us to shut our eyes to what the sequence uh, of provisions for this practice shows. And the sequence of provisions shows that we started out with a, a student chaplain and an invocation. And after the lawsuit was brought, uh, the student chaplain became a, a speaker, uh, and the invocation uh, gained the alternative of a non-invocation, uh, but it seems to me that there isn't a very realistic basis to suggest that anything different is going on or intended to go on from what went on and was intended to go on before the lawsuit. 
First, this is a facial challenge, and the respondents bear the right. burden here of establishing that there's no basis upon which this policy can be implemented in a constitutional way. Secondly, there's but an the, independent the, circuit uh, On a facial here. challenge, we are, we are not required close our eyes uh, to the context in, in which the, the language has come to be. We, we don't wait for a specific application, e.g. a Hail Mary, or I guess in... in Hail Mary would probably be appropriate. But we, we don't wait for that, uh, but we don't close our eyes to the context in which the policy arose. I, I, I think that's correct. And the context upon which this policy arose was after the decision in Lee versus Weissman, litigation in this case uh, arose. This school district, pursuant to a district court order, adopted a policy which was actually broader than the district court's order. And here, I think it's important to emphasize that the individual student selected, if in fact there is a decision to have a student uh, give a message, that that student is the circuit breaker. That student determines the message. There is no way to know what that student's Let me ask you about that, Mr. Sekulow, and to conserve your time, I'll I'll just state my concern uh, rather than ask a series of questions. I assume the election is offered to us as a saving feature of the program. Yet an election doesn't mean anything without a campaign. And if we had a campaign, it seems to me, um, that the students might say, I will be a very good uh, speaker, a representative of the school, because I am, am um, well-trained and, and, and well-motivated to give inspirational prayers. Another student has a poster saying, no prayers in school. And they and they have a school election based on the issue of whether or not there should be prayer. Now, that is the kind of thing, I think, that our Establishment Clause wants to keep out of the schools. And you have a school electoral mechanism, a governmental mechanism, for selecting a speaker, and one of the criteria is, I should think, whether or not prayers are going to be given. There, there's two responses. And, if, and, if, and, if, and then I'll just finish. And if it's not then it seems to me we're just avoiding the question. And the hard question is, can you give a prayer? Well, there is not a majority vote on prayer in this case. First of all, the, the way that structure is set up, the individual student determines content. And secondly, with regard to the approach here, that individual student will make the decision whether, in fact, to include a secular message but or a religious the point message. of the question, of course, is that there may well be a campaign among students of, to be chosen and if that's the situation, then how do you respond to Justice Kennedy? The, the district court, and this, this policy came out of the context of a district court order, which specifically stated that there would be no campaigning allowed on campus. Now, that was implemented by the district court judge and served as the basis. It could be for, off campus. Sure, it could, somewhere. certainly. But again, there is an independent speaker here, and that is the student. And no one knows uh, whether they campaigned or not what that high school student might say. And I think specifically to strike this policy down requires that the Establishment Clause now place an affirmative obligation on the school district to censor only the religious message of the student. Is a and that, First Amendment problem in a rule that prohibits campaigning? Well, that would be a different case. And, uh, but but uh, it's rather strange I, I, to be I, relying on such a rule. Well, th- that's the policy that the district court uh, issued, and that is the order, rather, that the district court issued. Well, I, I guess uh, Justice Kennedy's uh, problem would be eliminated if, uh, if the school simply said uh, the captain of the football team shall deliver the solemnizing message or invocation. I think, it'd be, again, as long as it's neutral That's criteria. the only thing that's, uh, you know, that has to be fiddled with in this, uh, in, in this arrangement. We haven't achieved a whole lot here. Well, I, I suspect. Or perhaps uh, they, they, they could say the student with the, uh, with the highest grade or something else. And then, then you wouldn't have the election and then it would be. A- as long as there's a neutral criterion. Here the, the now, before criteria- this, I guess, before Lee versus Weissman, the, the school used to uh, 
used to have somebody deliver a uh, uh, an invocation? There was uh, which a was, chaplain. Which was was it relig- was it non-sectarian religious? There is uh, nothing in the record regarding the specific content of the prayers under this policy, and, it, and there's nothing in the record it, really. It, about it. it could have been though. It could have been. That was up to the individual. Whereas under this policy, you must allow the student, if he wishes, to invoke Jesus Christ or or, that, or say Hail Mary or anything else. That's correct. The, that's, the, that's a the real. School district chance. has taken a hands-off approach here. If it's individual student speech. In Mergens, the opinion they're focused on, and again it was mentioned in Rosenberger, that there's a crucial difference between the government as a speaker and a private speaker. And in Lee versus Weissman, Justice Kennedy, the context there was the assumption that the state was the speaker. Well, when the the student goes to the community as the representative of the school, I I should think we would want to have some ongoing supervision by the uh, by the regular faculty. Um, uh, we, We should encourage students to go out into community affairs. I'm just not sure what the faculty ought to do if they are selecting the speaker and there are five members of us sitting around in a faculty committee. Do we uh, uh, encourage this young person to give prayers or don't we? It seems to me that is is, is the question we ought to answer in this case if we can. And we stay neutral. This school district has adopted a hands-off policy. The policy itself states on page 104 of the Joint Appendix that the student volunteer who is selected by his or her classmates may decide what message or invocation Yes, but what do we do about the history? I think the history is relevant only in this context, that before there was uh, the decision Lee versus Weissman school districts like this one and others around the country, there was prayer going on and speeches going on in sporting events or at sporting events. And in this particular case, this school district is trying to comply with this court's Establishment Clause jurisprudence by adopting Mr. a Mr. Nicolau, would it comply equally well if the school district said, now, football is a big event in this school district, and everybody comes to the game Friday night, so we want to have everybody, all the registered voters, they're more adult than the school students, they are interested in what's going on, the electorate will be the registered voters. And then there'll be people who come forward as volunteers, same thing. Just substitute for the student body of the high school, the electorate of the district. Would that be equally constitutional? I think the the question first would be whether a school district would have the authority to call the general election. I suspect not. And secondly, again, if it's a neutral criteria... Whoever whoever the school district says, that we would like this to be as democratic as possible, so we want to use the democratic process. It would depend. It's too late in the day to argue that facts and circumstances uh, don't have an impact. Of course it would, and I think in that particular case, it would depend whether the policy is neutral. This policy allows the students to participate, to continue to have participation throughout the process. They could also vote not to have a message under this policy. This school district was operating under the context of litigation where there was a district court order that specifically stated adopt a prayer-only policy uh, pursuant to a Fifth Circuit decision, Jones versus Clear Creek. This Mr. school Sick, district... No, I don't think that... Um, perhaps I didn't convey clearly enough what I meant. Uh, registered voters, I think you shied away from that because that sounds like the government designating the electorate. Here, too, the student, these are not students acting individually when they're voting. It's the students as a body, as an electoral body, that the school district has designated that will be the decision maker. Justice Ginsburg, students and adults and members of the community vote 
throughout both their student's academic life and when they're an adult. And I think if a school district was trying to inculcate the idea of a de democratic society and participation, that it would encourage a student vote. If the question about whether the adults could vote, I think if there was authority assuming that they could vote, as long again, again as it's a neutral policy and a neutral practice. That's well, we had a case decided just this term dealing with submitting to student election uh, the participation and use of student fees for certain purposes and express some concerns about that mechanism, didn't that, That's correct. And in Southworth, the concern was the issue of viewpoint neutrality in regard to a majoritarian vote. Here, the viewpoint neutrality is expressed in that the individual student is the speaker, and there is no majoritarian vote under this policy. This well, is I, I don't have too much problem. In Southworth, we'd already, we, our predicate was there had already been an invasion of First Amendment rights, and this was just a corrective. And, and here, the whole question is ab initio, what, what, what are the That's the correct. Rights of this? I, I it's, it seems to me that what, what we're concerned about is avoiding um, the schools becoming a forum for religious debates. And one thing we could do is say it is unconstitutional, illegal to say a prayer at all, never. This is a very costly intervention when the school seeks to go out into the community. I understand that. That would raise serious First Amendment now, issues. if we don't adopt that wooden, rigid rule, um, then we still are looking for some mechanism to ensure neutrality, to keep divisiveness out, and I haven't seen what it is in this case. The neutrality? I, I think the election thing doesn't work for the reasons that I suggested and that Justice Ginsburg has, has, has been asking you about. I think the ultimate circuit breaker exists here, even under this election context, and that is the independent individual student who decides to uh, make the message if they're selected by their peers determines the content. I, I think. But, Mr. We, Secular, even even if we and I, I'm because of my first question, I, I don't. I'm sure you will understand. I don't find that enough of an answer. But assuming it is. If the student who is chosen exercises that student's choice to pray. We are still faced with a system in which it is the school or the school district that provides the forum in which this is going to appear, requires the attendance of a certain number of students to be there, and therefore requires those students to sit there uh, while a prayer is going on. What more do we need beside the establishment clause? I think Justice Souter, this is a policy that this school district adopted utilizing a neutral criteria. We're presuming that we and, know and what I'm assuming, is going to say. I'm assuming, for the sake of the question, okay. that, that, that the criterion will be accepted as neutral. Okay. And I'm taking it to the next step. And I'm saying if the student who is given this neutral option chooses to use that option to pray, the school district is forcing school children to sit there and participate in this praying ceremony. And it seems to me that that's as far as we have to go to decide the case, even on your premise. Justice Souter, in, uh, in Lee versus Weissman, your concurrence, footnote 9, states mm -hmm. that if there is a neutral policy and the student uh, and the speaker, not a state actor, engages in speech of their own choice, that even if it's religious, we're, it doesn't we're violate talking, the We're clause. talking here not about a neutral choice to engage in kinds of speech. That was going on, for example, in Rosenberger. I didn't accept the characterization, but that was the court's characterization of it, and, and that's the law. But then we're left this, is, this is not a neutral speech policy. The premise of my question is that we are not having a discussion about religion 
It is not merely religious subject matter. It is religious worship. It is an act of religious practice. And that, if the student decides to engage in a prayer, that is speech protected by the First Amendment. And to then say that a policy is private speech, the question is whether that speech can be, in effect, involuntarily inflicted upon those who may not want it. We by think the power of the state. We think not. Is, the student doesn't become a state actor, Justice. Clark. Is there a distinction between prayer as violating the First Amendment and proselytization, or, or for that matter, criticizing religion as violating the First Amendment? All speech protected by the First Amendment. And I think that the school district would be placed in the position of censor if they were to determine that that was not that, going that to be may allowed. Be, that may be a weakness in Rosenberger, but it has nothing to do, it seems to me, with the point that is being raised here. I think it has, with respect, Justice Souter, has everything to do with it because it requires the affirmative obligation to censor the student's speech. Mr. Chief Justice, I'd like to reserve the remainder of my time for rebuttal. Very well, Mr. Seculo. Now, General Cornyn, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. Respondents ask this Court to simply assume the worst of the school officials involved and of the students who will ultimately be the speakers under this policy, which has yet to be applied because its application has been suspended while this litigation goes forward. We submit that under the standard of review of a facial challenge, that respondents' burden is heavy to show that it could never be constitutionally applied. And we believe that this school district, just as in Agostini, is entitled to the presumption that school officials will faithfully discharge their duties according to the law as laid down by this Court. There is no evidence to support the conclusions offered by the respondents that this is somehow a sham or a pretext. Indeed, the trial court below found that any incidents which gave rise to this litigation were isolated incidents General, do you assert that this facial challenge has to fail simply because it is not necessarily the case that whatever student is, is selected will deliver a prayer or a religious invocation? Is that alone enough to defeat the facial challenge? No, Your Honor. We believe that this policy is one which these school officials attempted to come up with in light of this Court's decision in Lee versus Weissman, in light of the controlling Fifth Circuit precedent, at least that the district court felt was controlling, Jones versus Clear Creek. They were trying to work their way out of a very practical problem. How do we avoid getting sued uh, for establishment clause violations? How do we get, avoid getting sued for violation of the free speech clause? Well, I, I thought your answer to Justice Scalia would be yes, it's completely sufficient. We don't know how this policy is going to work. You surprised out. me. Maybe, not, maybe nobody will give a break. <laughs> I'm, I misspoke if that was my answer. I, I did — I miss — excuse me, I did misspeak then. We believe this policy does pass muster under a facial challenge because we don't know what the choice is ultimately going to be by the student that selected speaker. There is no way that respondents or anyone else can predict how the student chosen through this neutral mechanism is ultimately going to respond to this opportunity. But as soon as it's in place once and they give one prayer, then the case is back. Is that right? I think, I think not, Your Honor. Unless, unless the court is going to say the school district must in, engage in viewpoint discrimination. All right, but that, that's your basic substantive argument. I mean, that, that, that was the — I understand that. I, I, is there any — I mean, there are prayers in public places, or they're called invocations in Congress, here, the inauguration of the president, and so forth. And — I gather that in Texas, this is a big community event. 
But I take it you're, no one is saying that uh, for that reason uh, they could have an invocation of God's name. Well, the, the only reason we believe that uh, this policy is constitutional is because it is neutral with regard to the message. General right, so you're not on the saying neutrality, may I ask you, that's been repeated by Mr. Sekulow and you. In, I think it was Justice Kennedy's opinion in Rosenberger, he defined neutral criterion this way. He said there must be good reason to believe that over time the criterion will yield expression reflecting the whole spectrum of political speech. So if you're going to assert on a facial challenge that you have a neutral criterion, what reason is there to believe in this case that over time what we will see as a result of the policy the state has initiated, that there will be the full spectrum of speech resulting of course, in this facial challenge, in a policy that has yet to actually be applied, we can only be left to speculate. But let me let me suggest that in Bethel versus Frazier, Matthew Frazier, who was disciplined for making a sexually explicit speech when nominating a fellow student for student council, was later elected by his peers to speak at the graduation ceremony. And I think respondent's argument is is really just wrong in that it assumes what the nature of the speech will ultimately be, the criterion upon which the student General, will be selected. I assume that that statement in Rosenberger, which said the full spectrum of political speech, focused on political speech because that's what the policy that the school put in place was intended to foster. If it's a limited uh, purpose forum, in this case, uh, I think uh, all you would have to defend is that there, there would be the full spectrum of solemnizing and uh, uh, of solemnizing speech, which which would be students, uh, you know, saying, hey, let's uh, uh, pause in memory of the uh, the members of the football team last year who got killed in a in a in a car crash or whatever. I, I, why why would you want to defend the proposition that all manner of political speech would? I mean. Surely all manner of political speech wouldn't be allowed in this case. It's only solemnizing speech that uh... — Under under Cornelius and uh, other cases by this court, the school officials can keep the students on topic for the purpose for which the opportunity to speak is allowed. But solemnization — Let's assume that they stay on topic, uh, and taking Justice Ginsburg's question is limited to that. I think she's asking a factual question, not a question about precedent, but a question about fact. What can be expected? And, and let me just add a footnote to her question. Is there any reason that anyone would expect that we would get a, a solemnizing speech to the, to the effect that religion is bunk? I just don't think any of us know, and I don't think the court should have to guess. But, but the question is, do we have reason, if we're going to apply this definition of neutrality, and assuming it's appropriate here, do we have reason to believe that over time, that kind of a spectrum of expression on religious subjects is going to occur here. And, I, I mean, the point of my question is, I don't think there's any reason to expect that there's going to be a speech at those football games saying religion is bunk. Respectfully, Your Honor, we just don't know. And I don't well, what do well, we, I, that's what, what's worrying. Look, from an establishment clause point of view, this is a mechanism, it seems to me, that the School district has figured out a way to have a prayer. But the mechanism itself, 
seems to leave minority religions out more. I mean, instead of a general prayer, you'd have something that reflected the majority view, which is understandable. But from the point of view of the, of the I'm not saying it's a bad speech. I'm, I am saying, though, that wouldn't the minority person be likely more left out under the policy that you advocate today than even under a policy that said some kind of non-denominational prayer like an invocation was okay? Your Honor, in a, in a world where uh, free speech is valued, where private free speech is valued, we are all inundated by messages we disagree with and find ourselves in a minority status from uh, on a daily perhaps, True, but the purpose basis. of the Establishment Clause is to allow families to raise their children in the religion of their choice. And we, if we have schools favoring one religion over another and giving that kind of message, isn't that very contrary to the purpose? Respectfully, uh, Justice Barr, I disagree. This is not the government speaking. This is a private individual speaking as a matter of their own volition and free choice. Well, but it is through the mechanism of the school organizing a majoritarian vote to determine it, which is a very uh, unusual sort of an arrangement. I don't think we've addressed anything like that before. Justice O'Connor, of course, as as this Court's observed, there are always going to be interaction between school officials and religious expression and it's impossible to totally separate the two. Well, this presumably, if this uh, uh, mechanism is approved here, the same thing could be done in every classroom every day and let the students decide each day on a speaker for the day to start the class and so forth. I think, you know, we have to look at the extended application of this concept. We certainly do not uh, submit that this could occur in the classroom, which, as the Court observed, risks the appearance of uh, government entanglement and with compulsory education requirements and the like. This is an extracurricular event. But may I ask this question just to be sure I have it in mind? The person who's elected gives the this, gives this solemnizing invocation for every football game at home, right? Message or invocation. Whatever it is, but, it, but, but repeated messages. So if the, if the school disapproved of the first message that the person gave, the, the person could continue to give the same message over and over again. Say he used foul language in his message, for example. Could they tell him not to do that next time? Yes, sir, they, they could. They, they could, Justice Stevens. Uh, the, um, the court has made clear that they can, that the school officials can maintain good order and make sure that... Supposing he made an appeal to one particular denomination, say 90 percent of the people in school were Mormons, and he made some specific appeal to the, the appeal to people of that religion, could they suggest next time he not do that? If it was not on topic, uh, well, it's right within, squarely within the language of the of the uh, of, this, of the policy. Could they suggest to him that maybe that had gone over overboard a little bit? May I answer the question? Yes, you may. Shortly, it would be uh, it would be impermissible for school officials to uh, edit or censor the content of the speech as even long if as it's, it is on even topic. if it's overtly uh, sectarian. As long as it's on topic, that's correct. Thank you, General Carnan. Uh, Mr. Griffin, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, if it may please the Court. In July of 1996, there was a hearing held in the District Court in Galveston, Texas. In that hearing, the Court, the District Court, took testimony. 
and part of the testimony came from the Doe's, that they're affectionately known in this case. Can I ask about that? That's just a curiosity I have in this case. I, I don't even know who the plaintiffs are. Is, is, is there — how come it's Jane Doe? I mean, are these minors is, is, or, or what? I, I don't one parent is — one parent — one group of plaintiffs were Catholic — a Catholic family. Another group of families were a Mormon family. Do, do people have rights to sue anonymously in federal court? Is, is anybody who just doesn't want it known that he's bringing a lawsuit, who's ashamed of it for one reason or another, uh, can sue anonymously? I didn't know we could do that. I think the, I think the jurisprudence is if there's a threat of, of, of intimidation, if there's a threat of violence, if there's a threat — and I think there was testimony uh, that went in the in temporary injunction when the case first started that there was this threat. And the district court had entered an order instructing not to ferret out the names. And when there was an attempt well, to ferret out the names — district name, court have authority to do that? Well, he — well, he had an attempt. He had the authority to protect the plaintiffs, in other words, from any threat. The, the names of the plaintiffs what, were known what was to the, the defendant. What was the threat? The threat was we had information that certain children were intimidated, certain children were pushed, certain plaintiffs, certain people who were not plaintiffs had to pull their children out of the school because of protesting the prayer policies that existed in Santa Fe. And if there was an intimate threat, that the district court sought necessary to protect. Well, do you think the district court just has complete discretion to grant anonymity that way? I don't think the district court has complete uh, complete discretion. And I think that one of the issues that we briefed at the trial court below was that issue. And when we got to the, the into the hearing of July of 1996, the district court said, now that we're going into a hearing, these names must be revealed, but we will do it under protection. He did not seal that courtroom. He, he asked the press not to publish their names. But their names ultimately became... Their names ultimately were. Yes. Their names ultimately became known to the public. And, but they were not published in the newspaper. And, and, and in this hearing, one of the most fundamental things that happened in the hearing, after the district court had gone through the problem of in, in, the injunction, after the district court had instructed not to ferret out the names, after the court had heard testimony in terms of intimidation, the district court looked at the plaintiff, known as Susan Doe, in the record. And he asked her, what is the big deal? And she looked at the court and she said, I teach my children at home religion. And I don't want to go down, and I don't think it's necessary for me to go down to the school and interview every one of the teachers to find out their religious faith. That's the backdrop of this case. In this case, the, the policy of Santa Fe Independent School District is unconstitutional on its face and is also unconstitutional as applied. It endorses religion, its whole purpose was religion, and what in fact they do, they weave a web and they seek to have this court ignore their history. On page 94 of the joint exhibit, joint appendix of this court, it has the chaplain policy that existed long after Lee versus Wiseman. And if my memory serves me well, Lee versus Wiseman was decided in 1992. This lawsuit was brought in 1995. And that chaplain's description, that official description, says that he will lead, the, he or she will lead the Pledge of Allegiance, that he or she will say prayer at all meetings, not just some meetings, all meetings, that he or she will lead the prayer at football games and baseball games or athletic events. And in the joint stipulations that the, the parties it, was, it wasn't clear uh, at the time. In fact, it still isn't clear, is it, that Lee versus Wiseman applies to football games. It surely applies to commencements where 
where the, your, your client's uh, child would, would presumably have to go, but your client's child doesn't have to go to football games, and it may well be that the rigid rule we adopted in Lee versus Weissman, that you cannot have even non-denominational invocation at graduation, would not apply to football games. Justice Scalia, I think that's a good point, but one of the things we oftentimes speak through our lawyers, and one of the things we cited in our briefs was the lawyer for Santa Fe admitted to the district court that Lee versus Weissman had not been extended Excuse me, Jones had not been extended to football. In other words, Fifth Circuit had allowed graduation, sir, had allowed graduation prayer in a limited context. And the court said, how about football? And counsel admitted, well, it hasn't been extended, but we want to press it as far as we can press it. That's the admission of their lawyer. Now, even if it's not extended. Um, um, uh is, is that so strange that an attorney would want to press a particular decision the way his clients wanted to go, as, as far as it could be pressed? It's strange in this context that you have an official policy that's still in existence in 1996, 1995, that defines a chaplain to do prayer at all events and all meetings. And but, that's a student but, office. That isn't the present policy, is it? Well, it, it changes. And, and, and if I can address the courts, what in, what in fact occurred, Chief Justice. What in fact occurred is after the lawsuit was filed, the school district then said, let's conduct a vote to determine whether there is prayer. In other words, majoritarian vote. They vote even before the change of the policy. Well, what's that got to do with it? Well, they then changed the policy. And, and they changed the policy in September of 1995. And in September of 1995, they changed it to read prayer, excuse me, the, the board has elected to allow an invocation. And then, once they look at the policy once more, and, and, and I know this court has instructed us not to take the caption of a, an act to make a determination as to the meaning of the act. The caption of the act said prayer at football games. The meaning of the act, when you look at the very words and when they modified it in September of 1995, they included the board, which is governmental involvement, has elected to the, the, allow Mr. Griffin, an invocation. Uh, I, I'm curious to know why you're going into these antecedent details when the, the question we granted certiorari on is, is the present policy. Two, two reasons, Your Honor. Uh, if... If we go to the amendment in February of 1996, the present policy, that present policy was changed to include the words message and or invocation. And, and how does that bear on your argument? Well, two points. There were existing policies in, in existence at the school district that allowed silent prayer, there was existing policies in the school district that allowed people, you know, the students, to express their religious beliefs. There were, there was no need for to basically isolate prayer and give it a free pass, and that's what those present policies did. In answering the chief justice question directly, I don't think we can divorce ourselves from the history and the context of this policy. Well, I'm not saying that you can't try your case or argue the case that way. On the other hand, for this court to take individual school districts and say that we don't uh, accept at face value uh, what their policy is, 
puts us on a very difficult course for later cases. Um, I, I, I take it uh, that even if this school district had had no prior history of the type you describe, that you would object to this policy. Yes. It's majoritarian prayer. Absolutely. Well, it can be majoritarian prayer, and you expect that in most cases it will be. But it need not be. I mean, no. on, on its face, it need not on be. Face, on its face is majoritarian prayer. That, in fact, the school board comes in. No, but the majority can elect somebody who, who does not want to give a prayer. They can. So then it's not necessarily majoritarian prayer. And they can elect to give, they can elect a person to give a prayer for the next ten years who will not give a prayer. Well, Suppose the students were just you, drawn you by can't say You can't say that in every case it's going to produce a prayer. Right. You, you just can't. Now, you may suspect that in most cases it will, but, but you know, when, when, when we appoint chaplains in the armed forces on the basis of, of, uh, of what the needs of, of, of the, the members of the armed forces are, you can predict that the majority of them are going to be Christian chaplains. But that doesn't mean that the government is favoring one sect over another. Why does it necessarily mean here that the government is favoring prayer over non-prayer? It's just opened it up and say, you do what you want. It, it knows what the result will be, as, as you predict. Well, we, well may, may I address that, Justice Scalia? I hope you will. Okay. <laughs> I will attempt so. It doesn't open the forum. It doesn't create a diversity of views. It doesn't create a circumstance where a student can stand up and say, you know, religion, to borrow the words of Justice Souter, religion is bunk. There's nothing in the face of this policy that allows, and I think uh, the Attorney General has admitted as much. He has stood before this court and said, well, if it's outside the RAM, we can, the student can, can still be disciplined. There's still government involvement. I, I don't think that you have to show in order to, to prove this is a neutral law that somebody can get up and say religion is bunk. I mean, we, we have a provision for a Thanksgiving proclamation. Now, I assume a president can, if he wishes, issue a neutral one that is, is non-religious, or he can issue a religious one. I cannot imagine his issuing one that says religion is bunk because it does not pertain to the subject matter for which the proclamation was, was designed. And it's the same thing at football games. The only reason religion is bunk is out is because it's, it's not within the subject matter of solemnizing the occasion. Student-initiated prayer, in my mind, has it that if I have a different faith or faith, I can pray before the football game, I can pray after the football game, I can even pray during the football game. In other words, but I don't need the government's form. I don't need to hold the government hostage and say, I have an absolute right to take over the microphone, to take over the stage. You have to let me speak. So, so, you, would, so you would say that even if these speakers were chosen by a lot, um, and there were uh, widely representative speakers uh, on a statistical basis, uh, that if by chance uh, one out of five were giving prayers, uh, that it would be an unlawful exercise one, that one-fifth of the time? It depends on, Justice Kennedy, what the policy would say. If it says you're chosen by lot to give a message and or vacation, absolutely right. The policy still fails. They're, they're, they're chosen by lot to represent the school and give the school a good name. Tougher question. I think they can, they can, they, if they're chosen by lot to, to give the school a good name, then I think that's a tougher question than maybe an as an applied case 
In other words, we look at the history and see how it's applied. Well, I'd, I'd like to know just a little bit about that. It, it, in Justice Scalia's example, uh, where you want to uh, recognize the, the fact that there's been an, an accident where team members have been killed or some terrible tragedy is going, it would seem to me very odd not to have an invocation in that circumstance. I think oftentimes when there's disaster, people uh, bond in their churches. I think oftentimes people express their religious beliefs. In fact, under the current policies and the stipulations, and I think it was tab nine, the policies allowed for expressing religious beliefs. I don't think that you can subject it to a majority vote, a majoritarian vote, and then say that's a neutral policy. Well, let me ask you this. Suppose that the school had no stated policy but did allow the captain of the team before every game to get up and say something. And suppose the captain on occasion says something in the nature of a prayer. Is that somehow invalid? I still think that's problematic. I think that's, that's also I would have pro- thought that would not be uh, school-directed at all. I think in barring this court's um, language, this court oftentimes has said that we look at the particular facts of the case, we would want to know, for example, is this directive consistent? It then you the would have an as-applied challenge. Yes. And in this very case, the, the language, as you pointed out, is message or invocation. Suppose all that the policy said was message and dropped or invocation. Could you maintain the facial challenge? I've thought about that. And... and Let me see if I can address it this way. You can still, in my way of thinking, maintain a facial challenge even if it's just said message. And I think that one of the problems that we face in terms of the facial challenge is I don't think we can divorce ourselves from the history and the context of what's going on. If that speech is given at the same time, if it's given at the same time that the chaplain gave his speech, everyone understands what's going on there. Everyone you can never purge the past. If you, if you put even a policy that looks like it has nothing to do with religion. I think you can purge your past. I would never say that. And, you know, excuse me, Justice Ginsburg, I would never say that. But if it says just message, that seems to be purged. I mean, it, it isn't even alluding to uh, uh, anything that even sounds like a prayer, as, as, as you believe invocation does. Justice Scalia, this Court has oftentimes looked at uh, pretext. In fact, the Fifth Circuit described this policy. But not even a facial challenge. I mean, bear in mind, this is a facial. I mean, I think the question is whether you could maintain a facial challenge if if they just used the word message. And and, and I know it sounds strange, but I'm willing to say that, yes, you can maintain a facial challenge even if they took away the word invocation. Because if it's... I didn't mean to interrupt you. If it's given at the same time, if it's given under the same policy, if, it's, if, 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 if everything is consistent with the past policy, the court is entitled to look at that. And when you look at the, the words of this, it is subject to a vote. The issue. Okay, but your, your answer, I take it, I, I think your answer would be different. If the school, in order, in, in its view to comply with Lee and Weissman, ended the practice of football prayers. And then at some time later, maybe even simultaneously, enacted a new policy that at 2 o'clock every afternoon in the school, 
Five minutes will be given over during a break between periods for an elected student to give any message that the student wanted. Uh, would, would you find that that, that uh, the, the five-minute message statement uh, would, would equally be susceptible to a facial challenge on Establishment Clause grounds? I still have a problem with it. You would even then? I would still have a problem with it. I would not have a problem if it was a diversity of views. I would not have a problem if it opened the forum up, consistent with Mergrens, consistent, consistent with Lamb Chapel, and opened the forum up to create okay, a Okay, students view. chosen by lot, then. Rotation of students. In the course of the year, 180 students could speak. By lot, by grade point average, by, you know. But if you, had the, hundred, if you had the 180 students, well, it wouldn't be 180. If you had a student a week at every football game, uh, given the choice to speak at the time the invocation used to occur, you would have the problem. Yes. And, and there's, there's another problem. So context is everything. Why, why, why is my, can I, I don't know if, if you're finished with this, because I have a different no, question I want okay. to ask. I, may, may I ask yes. you, there's another problem, though. There has been a description that this is an extracurricular activity. It doesn't take a creative genius to start the first part of the day with the notion that the first part of class is extracurricular. First 15 minutes of every day, we're going to have extracurricular. We pass a policy that says, wink, wink, students, you understand, we're going to have well, a message. But a I, conducted I, message. I, I think that if you say extracurricular, but you have to be in class, that's not the same as going to a football game. Nobody has to go to a football game. In the briefs of the parties, Chief Justice, there has been a description of football where they, they deminimize football. One of the amicus says football is football in Texas. We, we supported the amicus and said football is football. The district court said football is awfully more important in Texas. Well, it, it, it may be more important in the eyes of lots of people than classes, but it uh, is different in that nobody — am I wrong in saying that nobody is required to go to a football game? The ban, Chief Justice, well, is. One of, our, one, of our, one of our plaintiffs was a band member. Well, say students, students who are not in the band or on the team. Students that are not in the band, the cheerleaders, any, anyone who supports the team. Well, Is anybody forced to be a cheerleader, a band member, or a football player? When you're a teenager, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's spoken from experience. Yeah, in, in it, seems, it seems to me that part of the problem is, is that it's very important for kids to have school activities after hours. That's when they keep out of trouble. Their advisors are close hand at close hand. And what we s seem to be uh, saying in order to accept your position is that we want minimum guidance from the schools. That's somewhat counterintuitive. But there's not minimum guidance in this policy. And I understand the course dilemma. But there's and in this policy itself, they admit, even though when speaking to the court, the policy itself admit that there is guidance. They not only set the forum up, they have interaction with the principal who, who gives direction on the election. As the, as the Attorney General says, if the, if the speech is improper, we can still discipline. That is not minimal guidance. That is not a diverse forum. And, 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 and if you look at the brief of the respondent, at no point in time do they tell this court what type of forum it is. I don't see any word saying it's a limited form. I don't see a word saying it's, it's a public form because what, in fact, the Fifth Circuit said was it was a sham. And the only way that you make it anything other than a sham 
is you have to ignore you electing one speaker to speak at all the games on majority vote. And the Fifth Circuit not only called it a sham, he says the only way you can do it is put your tongue in cheek and ignore the facts in this case. Suppose, suppose uh, I thought that there are certain public events where you can have a so- call it solemnizing or I don't know the word to use to describe it, but you can invoke God's name, say the inauguration, say the meeting of the court, say Congress sessions, uh, certain public events, you can. Absolutely. And therefore, if absolutely, I, then absolutely, we then have to draw a line between the ones you can and the ones you can't. And, and why, what, that's what I would like you to focus on. And there are certainly a lot of people who say, look, high school football games uh, in small communities are really not all that different from the inauguration, frankly. They're big public events. And, and uh, so if you're trying to draw a line, cut through all this and, and just say it's not like a graduation. Uh, it's a big public event, and it's uh, exactly the same thing. And I'd just like you to focus uh, upon that. In reading this court's opinion, it has admonished uh, we in the public that this area of law is not necessarily consistent. In other words, straight across the line. As I want and that's acceptable. I think that's acceptable. And it's acceptable to this degree. I think that the, the debate that goes on in Congress is a little bit different. Now, we can take notice that in, 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 with respect to the chaplain, even though it's part of a legislative act, they've had this same debate. That's how divisive religion oftentimes becomes in the form. That when they seek to nominate a chaplain who was somewhat other than Protestant, all everything broke loose. <laughs> and it became part of the debate. Now, I recognize that it is not a straight line consistency, but I think, and I will submit to the court, that this court's jurisprudence with respect to secondary schools has been consistent. I don't get your point. The, the congressional chaplain is unconstitutional? No, I didn't say that. And I would never then, say that. Then, then therefore, even any, anything that, that, that could lead to, to some, some uh, sectarian controversy is not necessarily unconstitutional. Absolutely. You, you, you cannot eliminate that possibility 100 percent without driving religion out of public life entirely. Absolutely. When we drive down the street, we pray to our God. It's part of our idiom. You're right on the point I'd like you to address, because whether it's a straight line or a crooked line or whatever the line is, you agree there is a line. And my question is, why doesn't high school football fall on the permissive side of the line rather than the impermissive side? That's what I'd like you to focus on. Why? Schools are different. Because? Because? Anything associated with a school is uh, is uh, more likely to be on the impermissible side of the line, even if it's extracurricular and a community event. Absolutely. Because, if anyone, because, if, because, the, because children need that type of protection, children, the school district works as a, in, as a parent. The, this court's case law, for example, in discipline cases, oftentimes says that these children can be disciplined because they work as parents and they don't have the same rights as an adult. That's clear. But Mr. Griffin, some school functions are educational. The school is acting as a, a parent to the children, teaching them education. But other school functions in many communities are social. It's, it's, uh, it's the focus of social activity. And my impression is 
that that's what school football games are in Texas. There's very little of the instructional involved in it. It is a community exercise. With due, due respect to... I'll bet you there are even people who go to those games who don't have any kids in the school. With due respect to your honor, athletic events serve a tremendous function throughout this country. It teaches leadership. It teaches following rules. It teaches following the rules of the game. It teaches sportsmanship. They serve a tremendous function. There is just as part of that school as any other event. And when they put on the side of that stadium, the Santa Fe Indians, when they invite folks in and they bus them in through those buses, when the, when the principal and, the, and everyone else shows up and there's this social pressure that you've got to go to the football game, and when we idolize football players to such a degree that they obtain special rank in our schools, absolutely, they're part of the school system as well as the prep rally that we hold during the school before we ever begin, before that major game is coming up, there's a prep rally. And we let everybody out and we go idolize our football game. So I respectfully disagree that with respect to football, football is football. And it is part of our system. In stressing the importance of football, I I don't... um, understand you to be making a distinction between, say, dramatic plays, other assemblies that might be less popular in the community. Would you, would you say that this policy would be all right if it were limited to school concerts, school dramas, any uh, place where the school children are assembled? No, I would not say this policy would be all right under drama or any other play or any other circumstance. And the reason is it still should apply to football as well as baseball as well as drama is because there's still that pressure. When we get those slips to tell us that we have to spend extra money to buy a uniform for our child that we don't want to go to, we're compelled as parents because our school district expects it of us. So it applies across the board. This court has said Excuse me. Social compulsion is certainly not enough. I mean, in many communities, you can say, oh, all the kids belong. They're socially compelled to belong to the Boy Scouts. That doesn't render the Boy Scouts, uh, you know, uh, the government for purposes of of what things it can do and can't do. I I agree. So you can't just use social pressure alone as as the justification. And I have have not attempted to do that. I, I have attempted, Justice Scalia, to address your concern that football was somehow different and it was outside the realm of the regular function, the classroom, and that we can somehow say, well, since it's football, let's just let them pray. Let's let them do anything they want. And, and, and there's not a school district in this country. They would cringe and the administrators would cringe if I as a lawyer stood up in front of a board and says, you know what, this is football. They should be able to do anything they want. And, and I think that's what I was attempting to address. This court has said that we should not ever subject the right of free speech and press and fundamental rights of liberty and property to a vote, and it should not depend on the outcome of a vote. This court has also said in Southworth that majoritarian vote is simply not viewpoint neutral. And this whole notion that somehow this becomes viewpoint neutral as we change the words from chaplain to message excuse me, to invocation and then message or invocation is to put our heads in the sand and ignore the cultural and the historical phenomena what has happened in Santa Fe, Texas. It's been my honor. I thank the court. 
Thank you, Mr. Griffin. Mr. Seculo, you have three minutes remaining. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. First, this is a facial challenge. This policy has never been applied, never been implemented. There is not a religious speech exception to the First Amendment. The idea that a student in a talent show uh, would be told it would be appropriate to sing John Lennon's song, Imagine, but another student would not be able to sing Amazing Grace, is censorship. The, the, the position of, of the respondents is that there's an affirmative obligation to censor only one type of speech, even if it was just a message policy. But there is only one speech under the policy that the school board has adopted. That's, that's why you're bringing in all the cases where the religious group was one among many. Here, whoever speaks, it's just one speaker and no one else can talk. Well, in that context, the Equal Access Act was triggered if there was only one non-curriculum-related student group. So I th- the fact that it's then one speaker. It is another to have equal access. Here there isn't. It's one alone. It's not one among many. And that one student, that one student determines the content of their message. There is no majoritarian vote here on the content of the message. The, the, the disclaimer is in the policy. It states on page 104 that the student volunteer who is selected determines the content of the message. That is private speech. To make, uh, to have these individual students become government speakers, and that's what this would require, that an individual student selected by her peers determines to give a content of a message, say, a non-prayer, just talks about the importance of sportsmanship. That student message would be okay. But if that same student the next week or the next home football game were to give a prayer. Under this policy, it turned out that every speech was an invocation, including other deity, then what would you say about an as-applied challenge? Well, I would say this is a facial challenge, and that would be an as-applied challenge, and there would have to be empirical evidence that, in fact, there was forum domination. But here again, though, this is individual student speech, and even if there was one student speaker, that student made the first week of the home football game uh, give a secular message, and the next week a prayer. There's no — the student is the circuit breaker here. And, and the, the important uh, issue in our view is that, in fact, you were to, to have this policy, which does protect a message and or invocation, to strike it down requires there be an affirmative obligation to censor a student speaker. And that would be because the student speaker the might — The student speaker, at least on this record, what we have, and we have a brief to that effect, says — I'm not going to try to disguise what I'm doing. I want to say a prayer, and that's what I'm going to do. In there, fact, didn't she even sue to establish her right to say a prayer? I, the court's referring to the ward litigation. And interesting there, the school district was actually sued because in trying to comply with the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals decision, they adopted a, a guideline that said message only. And specifically stated that there would be no religious message being allowed to be given at all. And a district court judge issued a temporary restraining order saying that that's viewpoint discrimination, which is exactly our point. But you're switching from the point that I was making. Isn't it somewhat uh, imaginary to say we have to wait when we're told, I'm going to be honest about it. I want to give a prayer, not some message. Mr. Chief Justice, I see my time has expired. Thank you, Mr. Seculo. Well, 